0: How many of you guys have experienced God's goodness this morning? Amen. You're thankful for God's presence that's in this room. Amen. Why don't you lift your hands to heaven, lift your voice to heaven. Exalt him for just a moment while we transition to the word. Take a moment and lift up your praise, your appreciation, your honor to God in heaven. Go ahead. Unashamed, out of your lips, out of your mouth, out of your voice. Thank you, Father. 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 Thank you. thank you, Lord. Thank You. Thank You, Father. Father, we thank You for what You've already spoken this morning through Your Spirit. We thank You, Lord, for the challenge to respond to You. We thank You for those hearts that are open, those that have already responded. I pray, Lord, in the next few minutes that everything that comes out of my, my speaking today, Lord, would be edifying of you and drawing us to you, bringing us closer to you, I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I need my mat, there we go, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's good, thank you, I need my mat there. All right, well, um, if you're not a grandparent, if you're not a grandparent, will you stand? You're not a grandparent, so if you're a grandparent, remain seated. If you're not a grandparent, stand up. Some of y'all look awful young to be grandparents. All I'm saying, if you are not a grandparent, stand up. Yeah, yeah, you're not a grandparent. Only grandparents should be seated. Only grandparents. You're not a grandparent. You're not a grandparent. You a grandparent? Only grandparents should be seated. If you are not a grandparent, stand up. There you go. If you're under 20, you should be standing up. If you're not a grandparent, stand up. Thank you. If you're not a grandparent, I'm going to say it one more time. If you're seated and you're, you're under 25, it looks like you might be a grandparent. We don't know. <clears throat> Excuse that voice. All right. If you are standing, look around at somebody who is seated. Give them the most incredible Clap and appreciation and thumbs up because it's grandparents' day, amen. It's grandparents' day, amen. All right, all right, all right, we get it now. I don't know how confusing that was, but it's great. Thank you very much. You may be see, actually, everybody stand up. I'm going to read a few passages of scripture, and I like for everybody to be standing when we read. It kind of uh. I don't know, it just makes me feel like we might be focused a little bit more than uh, probably we were. John chapter five, I'm gonna read verse six and uh, verse eight. When Jesus saw him lying there, knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk, amen. John chapter 20, verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here. Look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Man, we can stop right there and go home. Don't be unbelieving. Instead, be believing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. Father, let your word come forth and our responses be yes. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may take a seat if you like. I'm gonna share for a little bit. I'm gonna talk about the book Talk about the Bible, talk about this mat laying down on the ground right beside me. I'm not going to talk about all y'all that were not grandparents that didn't stand. It's okay. September 11th, we know it well for the memory and the pain in our country, the horror that occurred in our country, the difficulty that occurred, lasting results of all of that that are still going on in the world today. This morning, I'm I'm honored to be here. Pastor Paul and uh, Kim, I celebrate that they're going to help Wesley. I've run four full marathons in my life. And man, it is important to have somebody with a oatmeal cake for when you finish. It's important to have somebody that can be on the sideline cheering you on while you're running. Now, Wesley's a lot thinner than I am a lot taller than I am, a lot younger than I am, so he's probably, he might be just about finishing, I don't know. When I run him, I start before you get out of bed, usually. By the time you've come to church and went to eat lunch at Bojangles or wherever you're going, I'm still running. Mine takes about five and a half hours. That's true, that's a long way, 26.2 miles. What are you saying, William? What I'm talking to you about this morning is that You and I need to understand where we are in what God is doing in our lives. Now, hang on. So often, we want to expedite what God is doing to the demise that we miss what he's trying to teach us in the journey. Now, listen, I don't want you to run ahead of God today but neither do I want you to have to have God come and tell somebody else for you to move toward him. But we're obedient, we're bold in that. When the need arises, doing that is a wise thing. But I don't want you to be in the position today where you say, okay, God, you can do it, but you got to do it on my terms. God will never do anything on your terms unless your terms have become his terms. Because God will do it on his term when he wants to and how he wants to. But in the middle of all of that, what God wants us to do is to pursue him anyway. Now hear me. Pursuit is not something that is easy to do. Because pursuit means, this means that I have to remain focused on what God is doing. Pursuit means that more times than not, most likely all of the time, I'm going to have to give up some of my desires to pursue his will. Now, I was standing over here and looking over here earlier today, and man, I cheer these young people on. Y'all should be (laughs) clapping these kids on for, for loving the Lord and going after God and pursuing him. I can't call off the names of some of you that I was here recently for a high school graduation thing. I guess that would have been last year. And I celebrate some of you are back in this house today. What I want to talk to you this morning about is a simple word called scars. Now, before I talk about a scar, let me talk about a scab. Are you serious right now? We're going to church, and this dude's going to get up, and he's going to talk about scabs and scars. Yeah, I am. Well, some of y'all's got both. I don't know how impatient you are in the healing process that whenever a scab is close to turning into a scar, you want to expedite that to the extent that you piddle with the scab to try to see how limber that hard, crusty piece of skin is over that exposed, beneath it, piece of sore. Anybody with me? Because the scab is annoying, and if I can get rid of the scab, it won't bother me anymore. But let me give you a fair warning. You rush the scab, the wound will be there longer. I know these from experience. You can get anything you want to get from Google, but what I'm talking to you today about is experience. I know that if I push that scab off too soon, chances are beneath it, where the skin has not yet cured to become a scar, it's going to expose another little wound and I'm gonna get some blood drops. You know, scabs are ugly. You know, scabs are colorful. Some are dark. And some are darker, but they are scabs. Any nurses in the room? Any, any medical folks? Any EMT people? Any, yeah, yeah, yeah. You done seen more than your share of those things, right? Am I even on? Is this on? Because it just fell down to my chin. I don't know why I was kind of being a and talking from down here. Let me, let me keep this up here. But uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what kind of scab you've got in your life that you don't want anybody to see. I don't know what kind of scar you got in your life that you don't want anybody to see. But this morning, I'm, I'm going to expose to you. I can't see the screen now, so can you put those, that picture of my face on the screen? Wow, isn't that ugly? And my wife, man, when she saw it, she's like, 34 years and counting, baby. I'm keeping going with you. If y'all were close enough to my face today, let me get close enough to you where you can see it. You see the little stair step right there, the little scar stair step is still there? You see, it? You see the little lightning bolt on this side over here that's still there? It, it mirrors what's up here. But what's up there happened 10 days ago. That's a pretty fair healing for 10 days, right? 10 days ago, I'm with my son, and we're getting ready to go across the lake on the boat. He had picked me up and a couple of other campers, and we were going across the lake to the campground where we were having our summer back-to-school camp for our church. Well, Nicholas, being the experienced boater that he is, is also a drone pilot. I don't know if you know about drones. Drones are very interesting little instruments. They're pretty, pretty, pretty stellar. They got four propellers on them. This one had eight blades, four propellers, could go about three-fourths of a mile, but a drone has a homing feature. And if you hit the homing feature, or if the battery begins to get low enough, the drone is smart enough to bring itself back to where you launched it. Enter William. That's my name. So we're driving the boat, and he's flying the drone. And he's taking the drone all over the top of the water, looking at everybody else out there, taking pictures of those kids, playing and having fun. And the boat quits running for some odd reason. Oh, Dad, I'll drive. Because he was already aware of the fact of how to manipulate the spark plugs or whatever it was, the choke, to make the spark plug do. what I don't know. All I know is I moved from being a boat driver, which I'm fairly decent at, to a drone catcher. And there's a big difference between a drone catcher and a drone pilot. And the homing device had gotten itself a little messed up because the boat had drifted. I don't know if you're catching everything I'm trying to lay down today, but some of y'all have been drifting to the point that the homing device is out of kilter. You should have felt that in your spirit. And y'all been riding down the stream. And God's been trying to get you to the place he wants you to go, but you've been comfortable laid back on the boat riding down the stream. You tracking with me? So my son said, Dad, it's simple. Do not believe that. It is not simple. That was my version. It's simple, Dad. Catch the drone. I'm bringing it back to the boat. You still got them pictures up there? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a science to catching a drone, and I don't know what it is because I ain't real good. So I reached out, willing to catch the drone, guessing, guessing, guessing that that drone would just find itself comfortable in the palm of my hand. Dad, you got to squeeze the body of the drone when it comes close. And I'll cut the blades off. Yeah, it's a real true story. I'm thinking in my educated mind if I use two hands, it's better than one. I can catch it like this right here, easier than I can catch it like this. What was I to do? When that drone came close, I'm ready. Nicholas said, easy, Dad. (laughs) I wish I had just let it fall in the lake. Not really, because it was quite expensive. And so when I reached out to grab it, I wasn't supposed to grab it. I was supposed to gently squeeze the body of the drone and hold it for a millisecond while he turns the power off. The rotators on those propellers are such that they will actually, in a millisecond, shut off. Well, my millisecond and his millisecond did not meet. So when I'm like this right here and the drone is right in front of my face and I squeeze, I was excited that I could save that drone. But then it lunged towards the water. And as it lunged towards the water, I grabbed it and brought it back to its safety on the boat. The problem is, from the amount of milliseconds that he had tried to turn the blades off, and my grabbing the drone and bringing it to safety, it began cutting right here. And when it cut right there, there's about four there. There's another one over here. Right here's about four, three or four little scars on this finger. And I got the drone. I was happy. I said, son... Did you see it was about to go in the water? All I could think was, I'm putting my hands on this drone, which I did not buy, and I don't want to pay $1,000 to replace it today. But that's what parents do. You feel obligated. If you mess up their stuff, you're going to pay for it. If they mess up your stuff, they're still going to expect you to pay for it. (laughs) You understand what I'm trying to tell you? You get this. I looked, and my finger's bleeding, and I got blood coming down my hand. I said, Nick, I saved it. He said, yeah, you did, Dad. Well, I know his tone. He's been around for a while, about 29 years. And I looked down in the boat, and there's a little bit of water in the boat, which is normal in the kind of boat we were using, and there was blood everywhere in the bottom of the boat. And I'm thinking, my finger can't bleed that badly. And I reached up and I felt my face. I said, Nick, is my face bleeding? He said. He just like that. He went, Yeah, dad, it's bleeding. And I did what this nurse would tell me to never do. I reached down into the water and I splashed the lake water, which is probably not clean, onto my face. And the more I did that, the more blood came. Blood and water are not friends. what are you saying, William? There's the result. When I got it to its safety just before it was safe, I was not. For the blades caught my face on the left side and my face on the right side, and I didn't even know that it cut me, but it did. Leave that up for a little little bit. You know, I, I, I got my phone out, and I looked at my face, and by this time, You know, facial wounds bleed more than they really are damaged. Blood was pouring out everywhere, and I was like, take me to the dock. I'm going to the house. I'm not even going across to the lake. And there's two campers on the boat, and they're just looking at us, thinking how kind my son is that his daddy's dumb. And um, as I'm sitting there on the boat, Nick said, no, Dad, we'll go to to the campground. There's a nurse over there. I'm thinking, do I need a nurse? Well, yeah, I needed a nurse because my face was jacked up. Well, we get across the lake. I walk out, and all these kids think I'm early for October, and I ain't even dressed up right, you know, when I'm walking out. And here, and I don't even believe in doing that. But anyway, here I am, scars and blood dripping. My shirt was covered in blood. I've got my kneecap. Actually, I don't know how I got that cut, but I got a scar across the top of my kneecap. I guess when I brought the blades down, they hit my kneecap too. I don't even know. For the first time in my life, I was crazy embarrassed. Let me tell you why. Because I wish that the story for my scar had been better than the story that was true. I'm here this morning to tell you, that some of y'all got some scars that you don't want anybody to see, and you wish that the story was better. You know, I'd like to leave it to the fact in a few days, I'm afraid this one's not going to fade out. This one might, this one may not. Actually it looks kind of cool. I probably will just leave it in some scenarios as a Marine Corvette and just leave it at that. I'm a Marine Corvette. What happened to your face? I'm a vet. I got in a fight with a drone and the drone won. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? But your freedom, thank you very much. You're welcome. No. It's a story that I will have to tell because somebody else saw it too. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. Can I get a handheld? I'm 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 uh, let me get a handheld. Got a handheld. Which one? Anyone red? Thank you. Those guys are doing their job. I just get, I told you I'll in on. my own. Test one, one, two, one red. You know what they're doing? The non tech folks don't. It's not. Hello? Oh, yeah, that's loud. Come on, bring it down. All right. Where was I? You remember? What was I saying? Y'all didn't already lost me? Do what? Huh? Oh, yeah. So here's the deal somebody else saw it. So I've got to tell the truth. Some of y'all are pretty happy because nobody else has seen your scar. But let me tell you about what scars do. Scars have the potential to sideline you or they have the potential to help you. Now, I'm guessing if I were to say, and I'm I'm not asking you to do that now, that if you have a scar to stand up. Probably every one of y'all would have to stand up. And you got tons of stories about your scars. I got scars you can't even see, and they're a much more excitable story than this. Oh, yeah. I got scars you can't even recognize on my body, and the stories I would gladly tell, but this one is embarrassing. So I walked with my hands over my face through the cafeteria, Because we got there just about that time, and everybody's looking at me, and the nurse said, oh, what happened? I'm like, it doesn't matter. Take me to that room. Fix it. Close it up. Do something with it. Because what they didn't know that I knew is the next day I had to leave for a wedding. Oh, yeah. Put the wedding picture up, please. These are my friends, Kevin and Mackenzie, where are they at. There it is. Beautiful couple, right? So I get to Nashville. I walk into the room where the rehearsal's at, and there's about 15 Lee alum that are in the room, and they look at me. And I didn't have any makeup on my face at that point. I was hoping a makeup artist from the wedding could take care of it. And I looked at them, and they said, what happened, Dr. Lamb? I said, oh, you don't even want to know. Yeah, I want to know what happened, Dr. Lamb. Are you okay? Does it hurt? I'm like, well, it doesn't hurt, and I'm not okay, and I'm sorry, and can somebody cover it up before the wedding, for the pictures? This is what they said. No, we love you just like you are. Oh, yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? I still felt very odd. So I smiled big, and the wrinkles on my face covered the scars. But then when it was over, and I'm standing around talking to people, and they're looking at me, and they're looking at me oddly. I just have to tell them, I know you're looking at my face. It's okay. What what do you want us to hear today, William? These three stories that I read in the Scripture a moment ago, just a few minutes ago, the one about the guy with the mat. Now, I got a little mat laying up here, and I got this from your little children's room, and, and it's a pretty cool little mat. I, I, think it's a, I think it's a nice mat, right? It's pretty comfortable. They won't sleep on it too long, um, but I guess they lay down on it. But here's the interesting, story, interesting point about this John chapter 5 story. Here's this blind man at the pool of Bethesda, and God says to him, or Jesus says to him, do you want to be made well? Now, when he says that, I don't know about you, This morning the call has already come. What do you want? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to respond to God's calling? Do you want God to touch you? Do you want the inner side of you that is so overwhelmingly hurting right now to be made whole? That's the question he's asking. And what he says to Jesus is very interesting to me. He looks at him, and the sick man answered, and this is interesting to me, he said, sir, and when I say sir to someone, it usually is an, a, a statement of honor. He knew who Jesus was at that point, but he said, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps in front of me. You know the story of the pool of Bethesda? And the healing that would occur at a certain time of the year, an angel would come, and those that would step into that pool, they would be made whole. Here I am to tell you, the cause of the veil being rent from heaven to earth and because of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, if all 700 of you guys in this room, whatever the number is, if all of you come, there is always space and room for one more to make their trek to the cross, forgot to heal them. And he says, but before I can get there, someone else steps in the water before me. So what did Jesus do? He said, take up your mat and walk. Take up your scar and continue. Now listen to me. Focus in for a few minutes. I'm going to give an altar call a little bit earlier than normal. We're going to pray today and I'm hoping every one of you will respond to God. But here's what's amazing to me about this passage. The passage is so clear that Jesus says to him, what I want you to do now because you've missed an opportunity to actually act upon the promise that was in front of you. I love you enough to still do for you what you can't do for yourself. Well, I hope you caught that. So 30 minutes ago, or yesterday, or at the retreat, or last week at this church, or 15 years ago, or whatever the case may be, doesn't really matter now. What matters is, will you be willing to respond to the direct call of the master to tell you how to be made whole? Number one, rise. Get up. And number two, take your bed. That's interesting to me. And walk. It wasn't a fancy little trifold bed like this. I have no idea what it was like. I don't know if he had to drag it. But what I know is all the years that he lay on it, it was soiled. Now somebody needs to wake up your spirit right now. And listen to what God's fixing to tell you. It doesn't matter how bad it stinks. It doesn't matter what condition it's in. It doesn't make any difference how soiled it might be. It is irrelevant what other people think about it. What Jesus said was, get up from where you're laying, pick up your bed, and walk. It is a three-command idea. Number one. Get up. Number 2, pick up your bed. And number 3, step out from where you are to where you need to go and I will heal you. Wow. That's a cool story, right? But then enters the human factor and the reality of if I just can't see it like I need to see it, I just won't believe it. Thomas, if I don't touch his hand in his wound, If I don't see Jesus and put my finger into his side, I will not believe. Jesus says, come on, Thomas. Put your finger right here in my hand where the, watch this, where the scar is. You see, Jesus, the healer of your scar, carried his own scar. If you can be patient while the scab is doing what the scab was made to do, then beneath the scab, my wife said to me that day when she saw my face, (laughs) she said, here's some Vaseline, coat it. Coat it. Every day, all day, coat it. I am convinced that Vaseline's a healer. Cut it. Coat it. So what did I do? I have my own little travel thing of Vaseline. And you better believe me. When I saw her, I mean, when I talked to her on the phone as I was traveling to Nashville, did you use it? Did you do it? Did you put it on it? Have you got it covered up? Did you use enough? Why? Because she had experience with what that healing bomb of Vaseline could do. You and I have plenty of experiences. Of what the healing bomb of Jehovah can do in your life, if we took time to ask you to stand up and to tell the story, we would be here until next week and the next week and the next week, because in this room are stories of scabs turned into scars. Wow. Take up your get up, take your bed and walk. Put your finger right here, Thomas. Put your hand into my side, Thomas. Now, Scripture doesn't account to this, but it would not be possible at that point for his hand to come out bloody because the healing power over Jesus healed that wound in that side So that even though the wound was there, let me tell you something, even though there's a wound in your body, in your heart, in your mind, in your memory, in your life, there is a healer. And the healer can remove all of the tainting that comes on with that. Some of y'all got some scars deep down inside you don't want anybody to ever know about. But let me tell you what the reality of the scar is. The scar is a reminder of what once was. The scab is a reminder of what currently is. My Lord, you need to listen to that. Some of y'all in this room, you're so preoccupied with what the scar might look like that you're going to rush it to the place where you're going to miss what God is doing. And God is simply saying, what I want to do is to give you the power to get up from where you are to go where you need to go, but in order to do that, put your finger into my hand, put your hand into my side so that you can see that I am he. Wow. The passage in 1 Thessalonians is pretty interesting. The passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18, put that on the screen, please. Therefore we wanted to come to you, Paul said, But Satan hindered us. Now, this this word hindered in the original Greek, it gives a metaphor or an imagery of a military term. And the military term is this, that when a retreating army is backing up from the opposing army, what the retreating army does is they begin to put distractions or detours or impede, the, the, the word study says, they begin to impede it to the point that as the opposing army is coming, once there was a bridge there, but when the retreating army is backing up, the retreating army blows up the bridge to keep the oncoming army from crossing the river. Come on, Megan, get ready. Will you guys move this for me? Want do you all move this for me real quick? We're fixing to have some prayer time. But let me help you understand what's going on in this particular passage and what's happening in this particular building today. What God is saying, I want to give you the power to stand up and walk and go where I intended for you to go. However. The enemy of your soul is retreating. Wake up. The enemy of your life is backing up right now in this building because he knows that he cannot win. And in order to keep you from getting to where you need to go, that the enemy of your life is going to put something in your way. And when you get there, but you know what young David said, He said, I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall. Why? Because the darkness that once bound me has now been turned to light, and that which I now see, I be the power, and I see by the authority, and I witness by the anointing of God. So in this room this morning, here's what I want you to get from this passage in Thessalonians. It's very clear. The enemy is losing the battle for your soul. You believe that? Stand up. You believe that? Stand up. He's losing the battle. And the reason that we know that is because he's only trying to defend in you or keep you from getting what God wants to give you. So when one army is backing up, That army, the enemy, puts in its place something to slow down the oncoming army. So a little while ago, y'all were all legitimately sincere, I think. Eyes closed, hands raised, digging in deep with Jesus. But this afternoon or tomorrow when you get to school or whenever that happens, somebody's going to have something bad to say about you. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to laugh about you. And when they do that, that's just the enemy trying to put something in your way to hinder you because he knows that what happened in your heart on Sunday morning can carry over to Monday and to Tuesday and to Friday and to Saturday. Some of y'all in this room, you've got wounds deep down in your heart that nobody else knows about. And you got scars that have come in their place. And I want you to understand something. What God really wants to do, what God's capable of doing, what God can do is he can take that particular area of your life that you thought that God, you thought that God had forgotten about. You thought that the enemy had a stronghold in it. God can say, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I am greater. I am stronger. I am more mighty. And I will overcome. Paul said, Satan tried to stop me from getting to you. Well, in the meantime, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my letter. You with me? God says, you're not with me right now. You're not in my, my, my touch, my grasp. You can't see me right now. But until you do, I'm going to send my letter. And my letter says that no matter what is against you, I am for you. And my letter says no matter what they do to you, I can heal you. My letter says that your ladder shall be greater than your farmer. My letter says that no matter what the enemy throws your way, I can take it, I can turn it, as a flaming dart, and I can cast it right back into the camp of the evil one. Wow. Go back to my scar picture, please. Legitimately. Legitimately. The scar picture. As embarrassed as I was then. That looks like a mug shot. Looks like I've been put in jail. I was in jail. I was in the jail of embarrassment at 58 because I couldn't catch a drone that my son thought I could. Some of y'all are embarrassed because what you tried to do messed up. Some of y'all are embarrassed because the scars on your body and in your mind and in your memory are the result of your failure. Some of y'all are embarrassed because how can the God of love love me when I have done everything to deny him? You see, I don't really want you going home today just with the freedom of saying, Oh yeah, calendar check, made it to church again. No, I want you to go home with the power of the story of the redemptive work of a redeemer who can take whatever the story is in your life and redeem it and make it whole and use it for his glory. Kevin and Mackenzie embraced me. I was so subconscious that any blood on my face, this kid worked for me. She was like my daughter at Lee. And when they hugged me, and it was one cheek on one side and Kevin's cheek on the other side, and those kids hugged me, I was so afraid that the residue of the stuff that was coming out of my face or at least the Vaseline on my face. Might mar theirs. The Redeemer says, I have a healing balm of Gilead, and no matter what it touches, no matter what touches the healing balm, that which touches it shall be made well. Don't be afraid today that bringing your stains and your stuff, and your junk, and your ugliness is going to taint God. Because in contrary, when you bring it, when you get up from where you are, which number one, all of you already are, and number two, when you pick up the memory of your past, and you walk toward me, I will run toward you. (sighs) I'm going to be simple today. I'm going to ask this entire church if you really say to me, William, I got something inside that really hasn't been completely healed. And I want God to do what God can do today. Step out from where you are and come in line to front of this building and down the aisle. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Come on. Just, just, just right around the front, right around the aisles. Come on. You say, William, I got something in there, man. I just really don't want to go home with that scab exposed and that fester of that wound. I don't really want to do that, William. I want to, I want to go home whole today. I want to go home well today. I want to go home with health in my mind today. I want to go home that my, my spirit says, I have been with you, God. The story of Jacob is an interesting story. Lied about his birthright, thief. But yet he went to a brook to get along with God. And while at the brook to get along with God, an angel came that looked like a man and wrestled with him all night long. And Jacob says to the man in the morning, I know who you are. And before I leave, bless me. You want God to bless you? His blessing may not look like your approved blessing. It may mean you've got to tell your story. It may mean that others are going to ask you about the obvious, and you're going to have to be willing to tell it. He said, bless me. Well, the blessing that the angel gave to Jacob before the angel ascended was an injury to his hip. And for the rest of his days, he walked with a limp. God may not heal you to the point that there is no no evidence of the battle, but he will heal you to the point That what's the evidence of the battle does not keep you declining. Instead, it reminds you of the power of the healer. And I feel the Lord in this room right now. And some of y'all have been up here a bunch of times. But today, I'm pretty convinced. What God wants to do is He wants to be like a rain. I don't know if I, I don't know. But but I'd like to see the first raindrop that comes from a storm. Because the first raindrop does what it's supposed to do, and then every other raindrop follows behind. You ever watch popcorn? First piece of popcorn that pops in the pan, and there comes a bunch more right behind it. Hallelujah! Some of y'all have been all y'all y'all been obedient. You you got up, you brought your scar, you brought your mat, you came to the front probably because I asked. But you're going to leave not because I asked, but because you came. And when you leave, you're going to leave with something different. So I'm going to see if there's anybody else back here that wants to get out of their aisle and wants to come on. Come on, hurry. We're getting ready to sing. We're getting ready to pray. This is early for y'all. I know Pastor Paul teach, preaches longer than I do. Come on. You ready, Megan? Y'all ready to sing something? I don't know. Ready to sing something? Lift your hands up across this building. Lift your hands up across this building, everybody in this room. We're going to take our time today to pray. I'd like for the prayer team to come on up with me. We're going to go hand. We're, we're going to lay hands on people. We're going to pray for them today. But church, I'm here to tell you this morning. You guys are still a light in a dark world. You're a place that people will gravitate to. But what I want you to do is, I want you to let God take your story today from a scab. To a scar, from a scar to a story, from a story to life, and from life where others will want it too. So, right now, would your hands lifted up in this church? Would your eyes lifted up? Your voice lifted up? Put your head towards the ceiling, not towards the ground. Why, William? Because we're not moping today. We are celebrating what God has done in us. Now lift up your voice, proclaim it, pray it, lift it out loud, unashamed, let your voice roar before heaven today. Go, go, sing or pray or whatever you want to do. Just open up your mouth and let it come out today. Let your voice proclaim the goodness of the power of God in your life. Turn them up, guys, let them sing. Let's go.
1: My God, I need you. upon the lowly I know with you all things are possible I'm calling on the God of David who made a shepherd boy courageous I may not face Goliath but I have my own giant oh God my God standing on your faithfulness. Oh God, my God, yes. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Yes, I do. Oh rock, oh rock of ages. I'm standing of mary whose favor rests upon the lord The same God you are the same God you yes you are you are provided, yes you are you are, oh, yes, you are. You are the same your children then you hear your children now. freed the captives then you're freeing hearts right now you are the same god you are the same god you touch the lepers then i feel your touch right She Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, God Almighty, for an awesome communion with you. Lord, thank you, God, for Dr. Lamb bringing your word. Lord, allow us to stand up, take our map, and go, and to follow you. Lord, allow us to spend time with you. God, allow us to read and pray and do it every day. Lord, allow us, God, to know your word and tie it in our hearts. Lord, allow us to be that light upon the hilltop. God, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you as we go. Lord, allow us to be the church outside of this building. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Again, guys, y'all are dismissed tonight. uh, We've got the worship service uh, with uh, Rio Townsend with Awake 21 and Wednesday night service.